Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. It is the third week of January in the year of our Lord, 2023. And I know this is a thing we say all the time, but we just got to say it. I mean, if nothing else, it comforts us to get it out loud. How is it going by so quickly? 17th, 18th, 18th of January. Incredible. It is moving rapidly. But here's the more important question. This is what the inquiring minds want to know. Oh, boy. Will there be snow? Listen, we had six-degree temperatures a couple of weeks ago, no precipitation. Now we get precipitation, and it's not cold enough for snow. I think the answer to that is your guess is as good as mine. Well, if I had my druthers, I would say let's get some snow on a Friday. We could turn it into our Friday fun day broadcast, and we could play that sound bite we've been sitting on. Yep. You know what I'm talking about. I do. You want to do a little preview rendition right now for the radio audience? Snow. 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 That's all I remember. So anyway, uh, maybe it'll come, maybe not. Let's get back to what we're doing. Yeah, because we're not meteorologists. No, but I do have an old soundbite of Benjamin giving the weather report from back several years ago. Yes. I pulled that out on a Friday fun day yep, sometime. It's, it's still on there. I was scrolling through some stuff the other day. I saw Benjamin's weather report. I saw Chloe's jokes from mm. a Friday fun day. It was a, it was a good moment just to kind of... Go back in time a little. You tripped right down memory lane. I sure did. <laughs> Hit every step the whole way. Well, here's, you know, it's uh, Wednesday. So, of course, we're looking forward to midweek services and all that. And it's early on a Wednesday morning. And we were thinking about this, this study we're doing this week on the life of David. And we were just having a conversation before we came on about how, how far are we going to go with this and what do we decide and. It's going to be August, and we're still going to be talking about David. Well, not that there's not enough to talk about. But right here in front of me, I had a note written down, and I think this question might help frame some of the context of what we look at in this study. So here it is. Most everybody has heard of David. Even lost people have heard of David, a lot mm-hmm. of them. I mean, you know. But when you hear about David or you think of David, what images come to mind? What scenes of his life come to mind? And the aver- Or the most people are going to come up with what? David and Goliath. You know, maybe the maybe the scene even of today would come out in the top five or six, but certainly mm-hmm. David and Goliath is probably the first one. Then David and Bathsheba, yep. those are the ones you get. For me personally, and I'll ask you this question, for me personally, when I think of the life of David, one of the most important scenes of David's life is First Samuel, is it 21 and 22, after he runs, he runs for fear of his life, and he ends up in the cave of Adullam, and God sends all those people there to gather around him, and he has that revival moment in the cave, and he comes out of there, and there's no looking back. To me, that is a, a, a very important p- part of David's life and certainly one we want to stop and visit along this journey. Sure. What about you? What comes to mind as a personal favorite? I think me, it's, it's his interaction with his mighty men, with the exception of Uriah. But, but by and large, his mighty men were, I mean, they were available. David, we don't even have to agree with what you're saying. You just tell us, and we'll do it. And the integrity of David not to misuse or manipulate that level of trust and that level of, of devotion, 
but to actually point those men to the higher road of, look, we're not going to touch God's anointed. We're not going to do this to Saul. We're not going to do this. But to be redirecting their focus and their attention to the plan of the Lord and the will of the Lord, to see that kind of a leader that had that kind of control over people but actually use it in a way that honored the Lord is definitely something worth studying. So the question for all of us and listeners is, was this something special God just did for David because God had this great, grand purpose for David's life? No. These are the kind of things that we can look at David's life and we can see how God will and wants to do these things for us. So just to put it in practical terminology, every one of us are going to have some difficult trials in our life where we are going to run. i got to tell you, as, as, as confident, like sitting here this morning, confidence in the Lord. I believe God can do anything. I believe he's with me. But I'll tell you, there'll be some times, in my, there have been, there will be times in my life where I'm going to meet things I'm not ready for. And I may end up in that cave situation again. But I'm glad God never loses track of us. He can see where you are even when you're there. Just like Elijah, when he got in his cave, mm-hmm. you know, God knew where he was. Well, on the same token, you have what you've described to be surrounded by people who are just willing to give their all to make your life. uh, Now, let me say this right. To make your life successful for the cause of God. Yeah. Okay? And that's important. Those mighty men that surrounded David, it really wasn't about David. It was about what David was about. Yes. And what David was about, well, we learned that in chapter 16 and 17 here very early on. Actually, we've learned it all the way back just introducing with chapter 13 in verse 14, because that's the first place that God says to Samuel, uh, the Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people. So this this is the quality of David, and, uh, and, and, and we want people in our lives that are going to be there for us and help us to be the very best we can be for the cause of God in our life. Absolutely. Now, I think we're going to go to chapter 16 today, and um, but before we do that, before we do that, I think we should give another plug for our newly uh, established podcast format as well as the way people can write us at Daybreak Devotions and give us their questions or their feedback. Yes, and so we've been working over the last few days to be able to take um, each day's recording of the live radio broadcast and put it on um, a roughly edited um, podcast version where you can listen to it and Again, there are some of the music and some things like that we're not able to provide in that format. So, so again, there's some things that's missing. But uh, the devotional content, um, the, the messages each day, all of those things are there in its entirety. You'll be able to tune back in. So if you miss a day or maybe we're saying something, you're like, man, did, did I hear that right? Did I really understand what they were saying? You can go back and re-listen to it. And I will say the absolute easiest way to find it, if you are not a regular podcast listener and so you're this is all new to you if you will go to mcclainsvillebaptistchurch.com right there on the very front of the page you'll see a tab that says daybreak devotions as soon as you click on that tab you can scroll down a little bit and it'll it says looking for the daybreak devotions podcast click here to listen when you click there it'll redirect you to the website that'll have all of the list of of available Daybreak Devotion podcasts. So you can go, you can search through. The way that we'll post them is by the date that they aired here on WPET. So you'll be able to look, okay, this was January the 18th, 
episode, and it'll have a brief title, kind of what we were talking about that day. You can click on it, re-listen to it. We hope that it'll be a, a blessing and a help to you. And also, you can reach us through our email account at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com. And again, same thing with the Daybreak Devotions tab. There's also a way you can just contact us right there. there there's a there's a box that you can you can type in your questions. Maybe you're not a an emailer type or something like that, but you can get on there and through our church website, it'll redirect right to that email and myself or Pastor Mike will get that and we'll be able to correspond with you accordingly. And just to clarify, I know it's been said, but it's this is the Daybreak Devotions radio broadcast and Daybreak Devotions podcast. But our email is Daybreak Devotion, singular. Yes. Because somebody had already taken it. Yes. And if I could find out who that was, I would offer them all the money in your bank account right now to give us that. So, which I don't know if that would win them over or not, but it'd be worth a try. It it might pique their interest just because I'd be interested if somebody said, hey, I'm going to give you all the money in this guy's account. I mean, it's one of those things. What have I got to lose? It might be a lot. It might be a little, but it's something. <laughs> well, 1 Samuel chapter 16, let's jump right on this today because, you know, time comes and goes so quickly. Yes, it does. I wanna, I'll, read, I'll read some verses to give us the, uh, the opening context, and then we'll, uh, we'll kind of ping-pong back and forth on this as we go along. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, we read this yesterday, but Samuel's now at Jesse's home, and he's looking over his boys. But the Lord said unto Samuel, speaking of Eliab, the oldest, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And then I want to skip down to where actually David comes before Samuel. In verse 11, Samuel had said, do you have all your children here? And Jesse says, well, we've got to send for the youngest one. And they bring him in. He's been keeping the sheep. And it says in verse 12, speaking of David, he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance. And goodly to look to. I mean, that's where we say he on the outside probably looked like a mama's boy, a pretty boy. He was soft and fair and tender. He, he was a handsome lad. Yeah. And it says, and the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Now, I suppose we can, we can take from this that this was a surprise to Samuel. Sure. He naturally thought that it was going to be, well, the oldest who was probably, you know, the most experienced, the most trusted, and, and, and the biggest perhaps. Not always the biggest, but, you know. But I like this, that when God says, this is the one, anoint him, it says, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. There was no arguing. There was no pushback. Samuel said, this is God's man. I'm on it. And, and I like that. Now, let me read something. that uh, This comes from Chuck Swindoll's book about the life of David. But, you know, when you, when you read that description of David there, there's nothing noble about him at first glance. And that's the point of this. When you talk about becoming a man or a woman after God's own heart, we, we understand, and we've talked about this. Now, the, the outward appearance matters depending on how we're talking about that, mm -hmm. right? We don't want to be slobs. Right. We're not, we're not studying the art of slobbery here. Exactly. And... We've talked about recently in other formats the importance of taking care of ourselves. But it begins with the heart. Always with God, it begins with the heart. And spiritual transformation is an internal work that works its way outwardly. 
and David had that. So he's Jesse's youngest son, not even considered for the important task, and yet this is the shepherd, the young shepherd, that becomes the giant slayer, the king-elect, the musician, the writer of all the Psalms. Here's what Chuck Swindoll said about him. He rose from hunted fugitive to king of Israel, and he fell from champion in battle to aged and troubled monarch. David, a man of glorious triumph and great tragedy, uniquely gifted but human to the core, strong in battle but weak at home. Why are we drawn to study his life? Because he isn't a polished marble personality. He is blood and bone and breath, sharing our struggles of spirit and soul. And that's why we love the life of David so much. We get to see a guy, all the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it's it's very relatable. I mean, we're not, you and I, most likely will never be kings. I mean, not, not in an earthly sense. Right. I'm thinking about running for governor next year. Ooh. Or whenever it is. I'm not sure. I'm probably too late. to Maybe next term. Whatever. At some point in time, your name might be on a ballot. Yeah. Just look for it. If it's not there, write it in. That's what I did last time. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. J-K-L-O-L. Uh, <laughs> this audience doesn't have a word what hey, you just said. Hey, you said it, not me. I believe in the, the uh, techno savvy of the people listening right now. <laughs> right on. Back to the point at hand. Uh, that's why we love David. He's very relatable to us. We all understand. We see in his life, especially, again, reading the Psalms. I mean, when we read the Psalms for what they are, the exposure of the, 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 the heart, the soul, it's being open to us. And if we read it that way, we, we can make connections. He is an individual that, humanly speaking, achieved heights that most of us will, will never have the opportunity to make it to. But in his position and his relationship with God, it's almost endearing because it's like, okay, man, if, if this guy can commit adultery, commit murder, blatantly ignore the word of the Lord and number the people when he was told not to, and do all of these like really obviously bad things, and yet still be the gold standard for for leaders in Israel and really for the people of God in general, like God says you want somebody that had a heart that I'm looking for? Look to David. Look to David. Model after David. So it's almost like, okay, yeah, I may never be a king, but if God can use and love a guy like that, well, then perhaps there's hope for me. All right. That's a perfect segue. I don't know if segue is what we're doing here, but it's, it's a perfect perfect setup to, to actually talk about this. And we've already touched this, but if you go back to why did they choose Saul? Why did the people like Saul? You know, in, in chapter 10, it talks about how Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. I mean, he comes from a pretty established family. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot going for him. He looks the part. He's got the credentials, you know. But he failed. He failed. And he failed because he failed first at the heart level. But then, as you're talking about David describing him, what did David have that set him apart? Even for us to make comparison in our lives today, David was genuine. Yes. David was guileless. Okay? Now, I just want to I want to encourage us all to stop a minute and think about this. If there's a rare virtue in our day and time, it's to be guileless. Yes. You know, think about Nathaniel in the New Testament. Jesus said a man... An Israelite in whom is no guile, no deception. He is what he is. You get what you get. He doesn't put on an act. He doesn't fake it. 
He's raw and he's real. And David comes out of that kind of a background, that kind of a that's who he is. He's been shaped in the wild. And and there's nothing out there and no one out there to put on for. And so even though he fails in these big ways, God says, No, this is a man that's after my own heart. This is a man that I am endeared to. This is a man who in his inner life is becoming more and more a reflection of my inner life. And that's an amazing yeah. statement, especially we're talking Old Testament times, right? Because we like to think about how in the New Testament, you know, God comes to dwell in his people and, the, and we have the Holy Spirit. And I mean, to say this about a man in the Old Testament is a powerful statement. Especially a man who had not yet had the Spirit of the Lord come upon him. Because we actually read that uh, here in that in that same verse, verse thirteen. In the uh, he was anointed in the midst of his brethren, and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So you're talking about all of these qualities that David had, and yes, he was doing it as a follower of Jehovah. But again, there's just a, there's a level of difference there that he didn't even have what we as believers today have, and take so badly for granted i mean that that connection that comes into david's life here and i guess the thing that jumps out to me is if david was able to have this kind of relationship with the lord in an even more limited capacity than what you and i have access to god today what's our excuse what why why aren't we developing the same kind of heart for, for God. And well, we are a culture of souls. Yes. Because as a population, we all come from privilege. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about that at church this yes. last couple of weeks. We are a bunch of broke, rich people. Yep. And we got we got more than we could ever need, and yet we have no money, no, no disposable income, because we got it sunk in all our stuff. Yes. And that's exactly who Saul was. Saul was a privileged man. He did not have the heart David had because of that, and he hid in the stuff. And, and you made the point the first day on Monday when we introduced this, you know, this is, I mean, it, it connects to, in other words, why he felt it was okay to keep the best stuff of the Amalekites instead of killing it all like God said. Yep. I, I have, I'm of this persuasion. Because we are a culture of Saul's, if we were to meet some Davids at first, we would like him. Eh, that's a pleasant guy. He's got he he plays the harp well. What we say in our day, he, he plays guitar pretty good. He puts my spirit at ease when he's yeah. around. But then all of a sudden, a giant raises its head, and this dude gets all cocky and arrogant, like somebody ought to do something, and walks out there and takes the giant down. Then all of a sudden, we don't like him so much. Why? Because the rawness and the realness of David is contrasted, and and and, and abrasive to the Saul who wants to hide in the stuff and be comfortable. So it sounds like a lot of the same reason of why so many of the Pharisees didn't like Jesus. That mic dropped and echoed, <laughs> that was a, reverberated. Some. And it was a weird weird drum roll added in there somewhere. <laughs> but, <laughs> I need my sound effect guy. Yeah, but that's absolutely a good point, and I guess that's something that I had never really considered before of why someone that is genuine for God and and is trying to not put on airs, not draw attention to themselves, but just trying to do the right thing, just trying to live for God and is looking around at the quote-unquote people of God like, hey, hello, I, 
I shouldn't be in the minority here. What's going on? And why it's so easy for us to throw rocks at them like, well, I know how they are. I know the I know the naughtiness of his heart. He's just trying to draw attention, wants to be a big shot. You know, the the kind of the Eliab uh, mentality when David initially comes into the camp with with Saul and, and the people of Israel because it threatens our comfort level. Mm-hmm. It threatens what we've always had, the, the, the standing op, or the, the, the standard operating procedure of just, whoa, 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 whoa. We ain't got to get crazy about this thing. David was somebody that was crazy about God, and nothing else mattered to him other than the will and the love and, and the honoring of God, even when it defied human logic. Well, you get, I was just thinking too, you know, the, the, the last time you hear that statement made about David, Acts chapter 13, when Paul stands up to preach to the Jewish people, and he brings their attention back to the fact that they had desired a king and God gave them Saul and and uh, and when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. I would love, and, and I don't know that I've ever done this, but as we're talking, it's just like it's coming to me. There's certainly some ways to do it. But you know, just to, just to bring an entire message and teaching on what does it mean to be a man after God's own heart or a woman after God's own heart. But I have in front of me a... Uh, a quote from a book by Jerry Vines called Pursuing God's Own Heart. And this is what he said. David was a man after God's own heart. Now, he's going to explain that. He was the kind of person who could get God's attention. Now, just think about that a minute. And he goes on to write, that's how God want, wants us to be, a heart that is sensitive to him. God wants to be able to make contact with us. You know, the Bible characters are very, almost larger than life to us, but they're very few. Think of the multitudes of people that have walked with God that we don't know their name. Yeah. We don't have to be a known person, recognized, celebrated by anybody, to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. Now, you know, to every listener right now, as well as to us, we all have certain platforms and certain venues and ways that we can minister to others and and some of us you know hey look i i get to stand and preach at a church and you know we got a, a fair amount of people what not here we get to use the radio and speak to whoever's listening but you know what that doesn't make me any more a man after god's own heart than the person who never speaks to a crowd at all right the person who who spends their days walking with god loving people ministering to those that they can help using the gifting that god has given them champions absolute champions for for God, because they are men and women after God's own heart. They have God's attention. I mean, that's something to be excited about. If you think about, man, just that God knows what I'm up to. God's noticing me. Now, he knows about everybody, but this is different. Yes, This is God is looking on me with a favor and, 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 a, and a, a certain, dare we say, twinkle in his eye, certainly the apple of his eye kind of. And David had that mentality about himself. Like he wanted to be the apple of God's eye. I mean, nothing else mattered. Nothing else was, I shouldn't say nothing else mattered. Nothing else mattered more to him. Nothing else was as important to him as to walk with God, be in God's will, and and have God's attention. I think as you're talking, one of the things that that later gets revealed even with, with Saul's jealousy over the relationship that David had, it's almost like a, you know, like being back in school 
and there being that student that that had the teacher's favor and the teacher's of attention, and everybody in the rest of the class kind of disliked that person. Now, a lot of times that individual was, you know, I don't know the politically correct term, but we called them a suck-up. You know, they were, you know, just kind of not, they were sniveling, weaselly type, and, you know, it's like, you know, stop. Just don't do that. But then there's sometimes where the young person was just, look, I don't, I'm not trying necessarily to garner the teacher's favor. I'm just trying to do what I'm supposed to do. They asked me to do the work. I did the work. Yeah, but you're making the rest of us look bad, so stop it. Yeah, exactly. And that's sort of what you see with Saul. Again, David, obviously I think he was mindful of wanting God's favor, but I don't believe that David did the things that he did necessarily because it's like, okay, this will make God like me more. But it was out of his love and devotion for God that it was like... Who am I? I? I'm just trying to do what God is worthy and deserving of me using my life to do. And it threatened the other people that were self-focused on just simply trying to do what they wanted to what they wanted to do. Like even Saul, just leave me alone. I don't want to be king. I don't. I don't want to rule these people. I. I just want to live my life. I'm going to do my own thing. And that, that that's the pattern that's displayed all the way through. And, and men like David threaten people that just want to live their lives. Another important point to make to kind of bring some of all this together is that the Lord is always working in our lives. And uh, I, think, I think we're going to at least need to give one more day to chapter 16. Yes. Which I, I think we've determined there's key places we want to look at. We're not going to follow every scene of David's life. But I think it, an important point to bring to the understanding and our thoughts about this is the Lord is always working. What I mean by the Lord is always working is, is to remember that David, when, when, when Samuel comes and he sees Eliab and he sees all the other brothers and then David's not there and they have to call for him to come out of the field, it looks as if, it looks as if David is the least likely to be chosen. He's not even called to the event. Mm-hmm. And we think, well, what does he have to offer? And what we have to see about all of this is that the life David had been living, God had been preparing David for this throne. Think about this. He uses solitude in David's life. David's been living in the fields with the sheep. He's been out there learning what it is to just be with God. That's very important. Obscurity is important. He learned to be faithful, and he learned to be faithful in the little things. He learned to be humble in that. Uh, obscurity means I'm not constantly being applauded. I'm not constantly having my name lifted up when it shouldn't be, but I'm learning how to do what needs to be done? I'm becoming a responsible person. And then you think about the monotony of that, those long hours of insignificance and routine. You know, a lot of people just, they can't, they can't make it unless they're constantly getting something, mm-hmm. whether it's recognition or promotion or whatever. But David, through the solitude and the obscurity and the monotony, had learned something about what it is to be able to be a leader, the kind of man that God was looking for and that God would use. And then I guess I would add in just the reality the reality of life in the real world with all of its dangers from day to day you know when you're you're, you're not you're not covered you're not uh, you're not sheltered out there you're facing the bears and the lions and you're you're taking ownership and you're putting your life on the line you're doing what has to be done i mean that's building character in david's life yes and uh, that's why when you come to the end of psalm 78 it says in verse 70 he chose david also his servant and took him from the sheepfolds from following the ewes great with young, he brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Sure did.
thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.